How's it going this week, everybody? So this week I'm going to be having Tony on, and he came on to tell me about these supernatural experiences that he has when he came across spiritual Satanism while in college. And his story is really fascinating, and I'm, I'm really glad he came on to share it. It's very similar to last week's episode. By the way, for those that don't know, we have a membership. If you head over to challengetheunknown.com, you can check it out for yourself. You get access to episodes two weeks before they come out. Thanks for listening. About seven years ago, um, I was a freshman in college and I just pledged a fraternity um, at one right of the on. Big Ten schools. You know, it, it, I never really thought that it was my style. I just kind of did it. Uh, my roommate was one of my good buddies and he kind of convinced me. Um, we had a great time doing it. Um, but the next semester, I, I sort of looked at the world and looked at sort of that entire culture and, and, and saw where it was going. It was kind of boring to me. Um, you know, you go to the fraternity and then you graduate, you, uh, use that connection to, you know, work at a big finance firm and make good money and have a good life sort of thing. Uh, very unoriginal. Um, and I was overcome with this desire, um, to learn, I guess I should preface, I was, um, you know, borderline agnostic at the time, uh, went to Catholic school as a kid, um, but never really considered myself Catholic, um, and, um, had never experienced anything supernatural. Um, and I was really curious. I wanted to know whether, um, there was another layer to reality that I just was overlooking. You know, I, I think it was important to, to figure that out. And, and if I didn't find anything after sincerely looking, then I could just sort of go back to that unoriginal way of life and just, you know, be successful and, and, and boring, you know? Um, so I did some research and, um, I came across, uh, something called spiritual Satanism. Um, and there are a couple of reasons why I liked it. Uh, the first one being, um, it, it had a very Gnostic approach, um, to spirituality, um, you, sort of everything was hands-on. You weren't expected to believe anything, um, without first uh, experiencing it. And, th and there were guidelines to how to experience certain things that you could follow. Um, you know, I've never really stuck to the whole, you know, pray and believe in God um, mentality. Uh, I think, you know, there's Gnostic Christians um, that sort of want to experience God and understand him and uh, at a very spiritual level. Um, I think this was similar. Um, and then the other reason I chose it was it, it sort of um, existed outside the duality of good and evil. Um, you know, we all know that the Catholic Church did pretty heinous things in the name of God back in the day. 
So I didn't really think um, just because the name was Satanism, it, it was inherently evil. Right. Um, so um, one of the things um, spiritual Satanism had you do was um, it sort of pulled from these Hindu ideas of the chakra system, um, which was awesome because to me that was like a great hands-on way to experience, you know, spirituality, right? Like you either can feel a chakra or you can't, right? Um, so um, the third eye was sort of the first um, chakra they had um, you open up. And um, to do that, you really had to, um, you know, I hadn't meditated before, but I picked up a practice where, I began to visualize, um, and visualization was a big part of, of the practice. So I would sit down at night and, um, sort of imagine an energy or a light sort of flowing into my body and giving that energy intent saying, you know, on the in breath, I'm taking in this golden energy and it's healing and, um, you know, it's, it's helping my, uh, it's helping strengthen my mentality, my physicality, all this stuff. Um, so really just working with intent and working with, uh, with visualization. Um, and, um, once you get good at that, you can sort of move on to this third eye, um, opening experience where, um, every night for two weeks, you, I would meditate and, on the in-breath, I would pull energy into my third eye and try to visualize it. And on the exhale, I would ohm and direct the vibration of my ohm to my forehead. So that was really the opening process. And I did that for two weeks straight. Um, after that two weeks, um, everything changed. That was really the beginning of, of a whole new chapter because... Um, I began to feel it and, and this was really mind boggling for me uh, because even when I wasn't meditating, I would be at class. Um, all of a sudden I would feel a pressure in my forehead, like a thumb was pushing outward. And the more I sort of allowed myself to focus on that point, the stronger the feeling would get. And it became really distracting. Like I would be in class and I would feel this pressure and I would start to focus on it. And like, I couldn't pay attention because it was just so crazy to me. Um, so with this, um, this sort of newly, this new feeling, um, I began to meditate on that feeling. And at night I would sort of isolate myself and, um, I would focus on this third eye feeling and just sort of allow myself to fall into it. Um, and slowly but surely this blue flashing light would begin to pulse in my vision and my heart rate would always rise and I'd end up getting scared and I would lose focus. Um, so I'd have to sort of get used to this type of meditation. Um, but eventually I got the hang of it and um, that blue pulsing light, if you allow it to sort of thicken and continue, um, 
it gives way to these beautiful descriptive visuals um, that are, you know, and this isn't visualization. This is like, these things are in front of your vision while your eyes are closed. Like they're there and they're real. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you fall into this meditation, um, the stronger and more detailed these visuals get. And I would see beautiful women and monsters and places. And again, like my heart rate would always rise and I would lose focus. And, um, you know, every time I would finish, I'd see something, I'd be like, wow, like, this is so cool. Like, what am I seeing? Is this placebo? Is this, um, is this real? You know, to me, that was sort of the moment where I was like, if, if, if this is real, are all the other chakras real? What else, you know, is this specific to spiritual Satanism or, or does this exist outside? Um, is, is this just like a human function? You know, like all these questions sort of opened up and, and they were so distracting, man. Like I, I could not focus on school after, after sort of opening up this experience because I was completely taken back by, by the questions this opened up. Um, so, um, after that, um, you know, I continued meditating and, um, I would say this entire world sort of opened up to me. I began to see outlines of these energies, these, um, ghostly figures in my dorm room at night. And, if I was sleeping, I would sort of wake up and I'd see like a, like a human outline just sort of walk through the wall. And, um, I was like, this is just part of it. You know, this is, um, I think once you step into that world, you sort of open up to, um, to all of it and it can be a little overwhelming, but, um, I just sort of pulled through. Um, let's see. So, you know, from that point, um, some weird things happened here and there. Like one time, one of my toes started to move on its own (laughs) and, um, that might sound really weird, but, um, I'd lay in bed and, uh, it was the, on my right foot, um, the fourth toe would just sort of wiggle. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, this is super weird. And it happened every night for like two weeks. So I was like, let me just, let me just see what's going on. One night I just laid in bed and just stared at the toe as it was wiggling. And with my third eye, um, I just sort of like focused on it as I looked at my toe and the blue outline started to pulse and a figure started to form around my toe. And I, the blue light kept pulsing and the figure kept getting clearer and eventually I was able to, to see this gremlin munching on my toe. It was this weird, like tiny thing that was all blue and it was eating my toe. And I was like, what? Um, so that was like one of the weird sort of minor experiences that happened. Um, um, and what I ended up doing was visualizing like a shield around my foot and it never happened again. So I sort of, 
in this world I had experienced uh, visualizing shields and like creating defenses was like something you were, um, uh, you were told to do because, you know, even, even if it is all placebo, you're now like existing in this mental world where, um, you know, Im- imagination sort of is reality in a way. And that doesn't necessarily take away from, um, whether or not these things are real, but, um, I think it, it, it sort of makes intention and makes these visualizations, um, have a real effect on your own psyche. Right. So, um, at night I was meditating and visualizing like a shield around my room and around myself, because when I didn't, I felt really vulnerable. I felt like, like, like crazy entities could, um, you know, take over my thoughts or, um, you know, I'd have sleep paralysis at, at times and I'd have these like crazy shadow figures like sitting on my chest that had never mm. happened to me before. So, um, you know, the visualizing really helped me and, um, it helped reinforce, I think my safety net in the world. So I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot out there, but this sort of all ties in together. Um, one night I was at my fraternity and, um, you know, I was definitely drinking and I probably smoked some weed, just having a good time. Um, at this point I I sort of compartmentalized that spiritual side of myself and this fraternity side. They never really conflicted. Um, but this was the first time I think they did where I was playing super smash brothers um, with some of the, the frat guys and all of a sudden, um, this really ominous feeling took over and I was entirely sure that something was attacking me and, um, you know, being in that weird impaired state, my visualization wasn't as strong. So I wasn't really able to, um, you know, put up that, that shield that I'd been relying on. And, um, as a result, my heart rate started to increase and I started to get really anxious. And I began to think, am I getting anxious because I can't protect myself or am I getting anxious because I'm getting attacked? And I sort of started to go down this weird cyclical, um, path to the point where, you know, like guys, I think I need to go to the hospital. Like something's going on. They were like, Oh, like you're fine, dude. You're just freaking out. Um, so I ended up lying down on, on one of their beds in the fetal position, just like, just suffering, just like my heart rate. I felt like it was going to explode. And, um, you know, I was sure I was going to die at one point. Um, and suddenly this feeling, um, came over me, this, complete terror and this energy um, completely enveloped my body. Whatever had been attacking me was gone. This was a new presence. Um, and, and, and I was completely and utterly terrified because this was a presence I had never known before. It was um, different than, you know, if you're sitting in a room and someone's staring at you, you might feel that someone's staring at you and you look behind you. It was like that, but everywhere. 
I think that's the best way to explain it. Um, that terror ended up turning to love. So that presence sort of flipped on a 180 and, um, and I had this entity encounter and I was speaking with this being that had saved me from whatever attack I had been suffering from. Um, and, and I was speaking to it telepathically, um, which was also entirely new to me. Um, it was this weird feeling to feeling, um, uh, talk where it was telling me, um, sort of counseling me to, um, to, uh, sort of fix some of, some of the things I'd done. You know, I was failing out of school at the time because I was so obsessed with this spiritual path that I had found. Um, and this being sort of counseled me to tell my parents, first of all, um, and, and, uh, and second of all, just to start moving in a better direction. Um, I felt it open my throat up, um, so that I could puke. Um, and I immediately felt better. And, um, and then I sort of just woke up the next morning. It happened pretty suddenly. And, and I felt really light and, um, and, and I felt like my whole world had been torn apart. Um, and that was really like the start and finish of, of a first chapter, um, to the, to the supernatural world for me. Man, that's an intense, intense storyline, man. And I, I believe you, man. Like, uh, I'm sure you get the, get a, if you, if you said that to a lot of people, I'm sure you'd get a lot of criticism from, but, but I think that, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to go over there. So first thing I want to ask you is you touched on the idea. I had a guy on last week that had very similar ideology to you and he suggested also that just because it's imaginary in that realm or whatever, doesn't mean that's not real. So do you believe that when there's children and such that see all of these entities like fairies or whatever it is, do you think that they're just more open to it and then something changes and we're all actually capable of something like this, but something's shifting biologically for us? What, what do you think? What do you think about all that? Yeah. You know, I think, I think it is real for children. Um, and I think this idea when we're adults is put in that the imaginary world is separate from the physical. Um, and I think when you're a child, you don't have that idea and you don't have that separation. Um, you know, imaginary is such a weird term because it, it has this pretext that it's not real. Right. Um, Whereas I think other cultures might see imaginary as visionary or, um, or astral, right? They're all these right. terms that we use. Um, and, um, you know, I think it needs to be redefined and real or not real isn't to me terminology that can even be applied to it. I think it's, um, I think it just is, you know, and I think it has a real effect. I guess I'm saying real now, but I think it has an effect on, on our psyche. Um, and that makes it important, you know, that, that, that means we can't ignore it. And, and it's an entire element that, um, that we ignore in a material culture. Yeah, man, I think, uh, I think that's really interesting. And I wanted to ask you about, what else did I want to ask you about? So let's start off with the gremlin. So can you describe to me in a little bit more detail what this thing looked like? 
Um, um, like yeah, just as much detail was, as you can give, man. Um, it was like hunched over, um, kind of like fetal like. Um, I'm trying to think of real world examples. Um, can't really think of anything. Um, I, it was maybe half a foot um, large and it was bald and um, some of its teeth were missing and it had like weird ulcers sort of around its mouth. Um, and I remember it noticing me notice it, um, which was really interesting to me. Um, and um, yeah, dude, it was like, it was just, I'm not sure if the reason my toe was wiggling was because it was eating it or maybe I had just focused on my toe so much that it sort of, um, noticed that I was directing energy to it. So it was like feasting on that energy, you know, um, it could, it could have gone both ways. Um, I, I, uh, you know, sort of subscribe to the idea after the experience is that, um, the more you focus on something, the more energy, um, you, you feed into it. Um, kind of like if there's a rock in the middle of the woods, you know, it's just a rock, but if a century of people worship the rock as a God, um, you know, that consolidated focus, um, creates, an entity in this astral world, um, you know, that is the rock that has real influence, um, although subtle over, over the world. And, and I think it might've been that where, where maybe, maybe I had just for some reason thought that my toe was moving on its own and, and, and then therefore it was, you know, um, and yeah, I can go into more about that cause, um, there are two other sort of chapters to this story that I want to talk about at some point. Um, but one really goes into that idea that, um, you know, energy and thought can, can carry outside of the body. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a weird thing. Um, just sort of this weird astral entity. Yeah, man. I, it's actually funny that you mentioned that I was at dinner with this girl back in August and she had the same opinion. She believes that enough, like thought and belief is enough to create something real. So that's that's an interesting take on it. And we we got plenty of time, man. Why don't you why don't you keep going? Let's keep going. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, no, I I agree with that. And you know, I always think, um, you know, I don't necessarily believe in God, but I think there are two versions of him that are that are going around. And one is sort of the transcendent version of God, you know, a version of them that um, even the term God is limiting sort of the transcendent um, omni whatever version of God. And then there's the, the worship to God, um, sort of the more material one. And I think like, you know, if that theory holds true, like y you can imagine all of the people that worship God pouring energy into it. Um, you know, that rock idea from earlier applied to, you know, to this idea of God, it really, um, 
could sort of uh, open up a lot of doors. But anyway, um, so um, so after that entity experience, um, I ended up having a summer um, by myself uh, at college. Um, I was taking a couple courses and um, I continued to really dive deeper into this world. Um, my next stop was to open up the crown chakra. Um, so I would sit and visualize um, sort of like a cone pointing downward, a purple cone that was seated in my brain. And on the in-breath, I would visualize energy pouring into it. And on the out-breath, I would visualize it spinning. And the more energy I pulled into it, the faster it span. And I did this for about a week, um, maybe an hour a day. And by the end of the week, um, something had happened where all of a sudden that spinning just continued after I had visualized it and it kept ramping up and my entire body, um, became light. Um, not like, uh, sunlight, like, like heavy light, you know, like, um, like my weight just sort of like fell from me and I felt like I was bouncing around and, um, and I was all of a sudden just really euphoric and I realized I was high and I was like, Oh my God, like this is incredible. And I was just smiling ear to ear and I left my dorm room and just sort of walked around for like three hours, um, in this total state of bliss. And I could, a hundred percent feel my crown chakra, um, just sort of like emanating and pulsing in my head. Um, and I've never experienced that again. Um, it, that was sort of the last time I, I tried to experience it. But to me, that was like, okay, if the third eye is real and, and the crown chakra is real, I think everything's real. Um, and, um, and they can all sort of be tapped into. And, um, you know, I started to um, really, I guess, fall off the deep end. Um, you know, in spiritual Satanism, there's this idea that, um, you know, Satan is this person who wants human beings to... Um, you know, just be self-aware and, and self-awareness, um, you know, sort of starts with unlocking your spiritual identity. Um, and there's a race of advanced entities that, um, you know, want this for humans. And then there's also, of course, the race of entities that don't, right. So it's kind of like this weird fantasy story of, um, you know, these two warring, advanced civilizations over, uh, over the state of human consciousness, right? Um, pretty dramatic. And it, it was a part of spiritual Satanism that I had ignored up until that point, um, where, where I experienced that entity, um, come down and save me. But afterward, um, I sort of couldn't ignore it. And I really started to become paranoid that, I was tapping into something that a race of entities um, didn't want exposed. And every negative 
feeling that I had, I associated with an attack. And so you can sort of see the downward spiral effect that can have on someone. Um, and the isolating effect it had on me, um, to the point where I realized, um, I desperately needed to ground myself and just sort of reevaluate what I was getting into. Um, like it, it, I was like at that point, um, if I go any farther, I could, I could very much see myself get it like going crazy. Um, so, um, I was lucky enough to have a friend's father, um, introduce me to Zen Buddhism. Um, which totally saved me and helped me, um, sort of piece back together, um, my psyche and, and my reality. Uh, so I ended up getting into Zazen and, um, which is the Zen meditation. And, um, for those of you not familiar with Zazen, it's, it's very much, um, a meditation that, um, you know, it's simple. It's, it's just breathing and, and coming back to the present moment. There's no visualization. There's no, um, um, you know, worship. Um, there's no energy or chakra systems. It's very simple. Um, but the simplicity of it sort of transcends everything you can, no matter what, situation you're in, no matter what your mental state is, um, you can always meditate and, and do Zazen and it'll always have some sort of benefit. Um, and that's the beauty of it. So I ended up spending, um, three weeks at a Buddhist monastery, um, really just, um, you know, working on myself and trying to understand what the next steps were for me. Um, sort of realizing that, I didn't want to dive back into that world without any support. You know, um, I was like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to study the chakra system or, or the astral world or get into this, I'd want a mentor of some sort. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to talk to a Buddhist master who, um, you know, I asked him what he thought of the metaphysical world. And, um, you know, he said, Zazen, um, and Zen Buddhism isn't, um, you know, their, their focus isn't metaphysical, but if you sort of step out of the way, you know, that metaphysical, um, aspect will find you, but it doesn't matter because you're still going to come back and meditate and you're still going to come back to the mat and focus on your breath work. Um, so I thought that was really cool. It sort of helped me shift my, my focus and, um, and really, um, helped my ideas mature. Um, you know, and after, after the fact, um, you know, I would study, um, some Buddhist texts. I read, um, Siddhartha, which was also huge for me. Um, and, um, I ended up going to a much smaller school up North. Um, and this sort of leads me to, I guess the last real chapter in the story. Um, so this, this school, um, is, is the type of school. It's really isolated in the woods and everybody there either is a witch or thinks they're a witch. Um, <laughs> so 
you can imagine sort of the type of characters um, that are there. Everybody's sort of experimenting with uh, with like spells and energy work, this, this, and that. Um, and I found this metaphysical group that was led by a biologic or um, a biology teacher or professor, rather. Um, and I joined it just because I was sort of curious to see what people were doing there. And it was really, um, it was cool. There were, um, you know, some people who were studying astral projection, some people who were getting into tarot card reading, you had mediums and like all sorts of like crazy stuff happening. Um, and you know, I felt like it was a safe place for me to sort of further explore some of these ideas. Um, one thing that I got into was, um, energy work and it sort of started with me and a couple buddies that I had met, um, sort of with our hands creating like a bowl in front of us and then visualizing energy pouring into that bowl and assigning an element to it. So whether it was fire, earth, you know, electricity, water, whatever it was. Um, and once you had this sort of energy poured into your hand, someone else would take two fingers, dip those fingers into that bowl, and then try to close their eyes and visualize whatever that energy was. And so the whole purpose of these experiments was, you know, can thought exist outside of the mind, right? Um, and lo and behold, every single time, as long as someone was focused, I would say 90% of the time, we would get it right. Um, you know, I would be able to guess what element someone had in that bowl and they would be able to do so for me. And we ended up doing this back and forth so often that we, we got more advanced where we would, you know, rather than an element, how about a picture of like a boat on water? Could you see that? You know, how, how detailed could we get these pictures, these visualizations in the bowls in our hands? Um, and, and how strong, um, you know, how, how well could we interpret these, um, these visuals? Um, so that was really cool. And that sort of, to me, um, solidified this idea that, um, right. That thought could exist outside of the mind. Um, and, and again, sort of opened up all these possibilities for me. Um, you know, what does that mean for the world, right? Like if thought can exist outside of the mind and, and we can tap into it, um, there's clearly a lot we're missing. Um, what do you think so, these entities are, man? Let, let me yeah. let me start with that. What do you like with a lot of these entities? Where do you think they exist? Do you think they they exist in different light spectrums? Do you think that they exist in like an some type of dimensional? Like like let me know your thoughts on that. What, where, what do you think these things are? Um, that is a good question. Um, you know, I think um, I'm not sure what you know from a dimensional perspective um or from a light spectrum perspective what this means um i do think that there is um part of our mind that i think has the ability to interpret um or, or to experience this level of visualization 
um, you know, I always thought that evolution, um, might've provided, um, humanity a way to, uh, to solve some of those abstract, uh, abstract issues like, uh, you know, ex- existential dread and, and, uh, overpopulation and all these things that we suffer from, um, you know, and maybe it is just DMT, you know, maybe, um, as we flex our brains and this visualization muscle, we're releasing DMT. Um, and maybe that's what the third eye is. I don't know. I think, um, I've read a bunch of studies on it, but I'm not a scientist. I'm not really sure, um, you know, what, what would be right in that, in that regard. Yeah, man, I, I've, uh, I've looked into the DMT idea a lot, actually, and a lot of people think that DMT is, it causes something else to happen. It's really interesting, and I remember watching a video on it a couple months ago of these two guys that did DMT, and they both saw the same entity, which was really interesting. So, oh, wow. you know, it's, it's really interesting to uh, look into that, that whole topic, man. It, it really makes you wonder what, what's going on that we're not, that we're not aware of. Dude, that's, so that is, I think the biggest revelation for me, like I, I fully believe in those DMT experiences, but I strongly believe that what I experienced, um, there's definitely recipe for unlocking that world sober and, and being able to do it on the fly. And, and I, I strongly believe that, um, that there is sort of a next level of human evolution that exists in some of the studying and in some of the experiencing, uh, or experiences that I had, um, you know, third eye visualization and, and, and sort of like these thought experiments, um, uh, you know, it, it really just opens up like all these doors. Like, does the government know about this? Does, um, you know, what, what does it mean for, for the next step in human evolution? You know, it, it's really mind boggling the more you think about it. Um, but it's scary too, man. Like it, it, <laughs> It's like as intriguing as it is, like the farther you get into it, I think the scarier it gets because you're, you're, you're treading madness the whole time, especially when you don't have any guidance. Yeah, man, it's really, really interesting stuff right there. You know, and something that I always like to point out from a scientific perspective is there is without a doubt stuff that we don't know about yet. And there's without a doubt stuff that we can't measure yet because we just don't have the instruments for it yet. So one of the things that I always like to point out is imagine you took scientists from a few hundred years ago and you took them to see the aurora, you know, the, the lights in the sky, the, the green streaks right. in, in the sky. They would be able to visualize they could see it. You know, they could see this phenomenon, but they would have no understanding of it and they would, wouldn't be able to measure it with anything type of tools that they had at the time period you know so these victorian era scientists would be able to see it but they couldn't understand it you know and it makes me wonder when we get into the paranormal topics and a lot of the spiritual stuff is what if this is just something that we don't have the tech to measure yet what if it's all real what if it's all within a light spectrum or another dimension or something like that and what if we just can't see it 
you know, but all of these, you know, crazy people, quote unquote, that have experiences, what if they've actually seen it, but we're just not there yet from a scientific perspective. We just, we just can't measure it. So, you know, yeah. I, I believe you, man. I, I, I think that your story is really compelling. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. That's, that's the really important thing is that some people are going to hear this episode and be like, Hey, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe my sleep paralysis demon that I've seen isn't, isn't just in my head, you know, and did, are you familiar with the, the backstory of sleep paralysis? Um, maybe not. Uh, I mean, I've definitely had it a couple of times, but, um, you know, I don't really understand it. <laughs> so the first real like documented accounts of sleep paralysis were around 1300 and they, hmm. it's just like you described like pretty late. Yeah. Right. But then again, it's like how much shit we're really keeping track of around this time period. You know, um, there's probably True. stuff that we've tracked for a lot longer that just didn't get, you know, written down so hmm. um you know written history can be quite unreliable especially with the shifts in civilizations and power you know over over hmm. history so stuff gets lost sometimes but the the earliest account that we know about is is around 1300 and what's interesting to me is this phenomena they they all describe the same thing. It's like paralyzed with these entities and the night hag in particular, the thing that sits on your chest. And yep. that's actually where the yep. term nightmare comes from. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's where the term nightmare originates like mare, from. Mare is in horse, right? Mare is in terror. I, I'm pretty sure is the, oh. is the Latin translation. I mean, let me double check that real quick. But yeah, that's yeah, that's I'm the sure. that's the major thing is um, it all it all ties back. It's really interesting. So the whole concept of nightmare, yep, here it is. Okay, so mare in folklore is a malicious entity in Salvic folklore. That's what mare means when it's translated literally. So, because people were experiencing this entity that was sitting on them, it was the mare that came at night, and that's where it all originates from. And so, it's nightmare. That's what? that's where that's where the term nightmare comes from. I wonder, like, what that shared experience means. You know, that yeah. is, um, you know, is is it an entity or is it like a conjuring of? Um, of like a universal human fear. Um, it's really bizarre. It is bizarre, man. And, you know, modern scientists have studied sleep paralysis to try and figure out what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of your mind's in a certain state and all this kind of stuff. Like, but unsatisfying answers, right? <laughs> exactly. It's unsatisfying answers. It's like, I remember there was something on the agent alien theory where a bunch of scholars chalked it all up to be, Oh, it's all, it's all nothing but a uh, mass hallucination. And I'm like, that doesn't happen. People don't mass hallucinate the same thing by the thousands, you know? And at this Pretty point, lazy. millions, millions of people have experienced sleep paralysis at this point, including myself, you know? So it's, have it you is, experienced that, that entity sitting on your chest? I've never seen the entity, but I've had sleep paralysis and it's caused the hallucinations to where I was like 
tripping. <laughs> it was not a oh, good wow. time. Yeah, dude, I um, I've had a couple sleep paralysis instances, and I think a lot of it was chalked up to me just not sleeping well. But I've never seen the entity, but I, I do know that there was one time where I was in this like time loop, right? And what was happening mm -hmm. is I would wake up. I couldn't see my hands like I would lift up my hands and my hands were gone, you know, and then I would kind of feel sick, get up to go puke and then it would reset and I would be waking up again. And this happened like on repeat and I tried to break the cycle and wow. I just could break the cycle. And this went on for a while and it felt like an eternity, you know, but eventually I like woke up for real, like sat up just like I did in that time loop. But in real life and I, and I looked and I saw my hands and I was like, all right, my hands are here. You know, and <laughs> I kind of came back down and I was like, holy shit. Like, it was one of the you craziest know what that things. Reminds me of, um, what's that Greek myth of the guy who's chained up on a rock and like an eagle or a falcon like rips him open and eats his liver? And then like the next day he grows it back and it comes again and eats his liver. Um, it's like sort of this like endless suffering time loop that you were on, you know? That was Prometheus. Oh, Prometheus. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe you were just tapping into, uh, you know, uh, a Greek mythos. <laughs> Who knows, brother? It was, it was such a weird experience, man. And the more people I talk to when it comes to sleep paralysis, the weirder, weirder shit gets, man. The weirder it gets. So. So bizarre. Um, yeah. You know, those shared experiences definitely, um, I think, point to a misunderstanding or, or a deep, um, yeah, misunderstanding uh, when it comes to, uh, like you said, what, what our science, where our science knowledge is. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, um, you know, after, after all my experiences, I ended up failing out of college again. Uh, my dad was like, I'm done. You're, you're paying for the rest. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> um, so I did, you know, seven years working in a corporate nine to five. And I sort of put all this stuff on the back page. Um, you know, I paid off school and I finished out and, um, you know, I did Zazen here and there, um, just whenever I felt like I needed to. But the one thing that Seven years later, even though I've completely um, sort of put this world, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, my third eye will still light up in, in like moments of intuition or, or if I focus on it, um, it's still there. So it goes to show how tangible um, this experience is. Um, and, and, and I think like really goes to show how capable we are to sort of experiencing the supernatural. Um, I think that the human body has the tools to do it. Um, and, um, you know, anybody who's willing and has, you know, a sincere desire to learn, um, and to experience things Gnostically, I think, I think can. And I, I highly doubt it has anything to do with spiritual Satanism. I just think that was um, sort of the catalyst for me. Um, I think that you can find it really anywhere. I just, um, 
I think it starts with an earnest desire to learn. 100% brother. And I mean, your story was really, really fascinating. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that find value in it 100%. I hope so. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and, and letting me share. Uh, to be honest, I was nervous because every time I talk about it, I sort of get sweaty and like my hands start to shake because it is like, uh, you know, one of those moments in my life that, that really, uh, shook me to the core, sort of like an ontological shock. But, um, yeah, no, I appreciate you, uh, you having me on. Anytime brother. And I think we're about ready to wrap this up. We're sitting at 47 minutes. So we're, we got a real solid episode right there. And, uh, thanks again for coming on, man. And, uh, we'll be in touch.